Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Well, all of a sudden... We're teetering on the brink. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a team at 6-1, and one, ranked 6th in the country, and now Texas coming off of two straight losses. More importantly, the defense looking awful in those two losses. And this team still has to go to Lubbock. You still got to play Iowa State. Well, don't worry about that Kansas game too much at the end of the year. But times are... Interesting, to say the least, right now for the Texas Longhorns, and we'll break it all down on this edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team real quick before we break down this 42-41 loss to West Virginia and look ahead to a pivotal road game uh, coming up this weekend in Lubbock against Texas Tech. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, you and I have been crunching numbers, and uh, the Texas defense is not good. Yeah, no, you came in with some great ones, and it was like you pointed out a point in the season that may have been sort of the tipping point, and then once we start looking at things, you're like, oh, it sort of makes sense. Now, it also sucks and not good, but it's only three of the last four games, so let's see where it goes from there. Uh, <laughs> only three of the last you four. You sound like Jason Garrett. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only been five of the last yeah. eight games. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, no, I, unlike Garrett, I know this has not been a pretty performance. Season. Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah. very bad. Oh, if we can get through this podcast without talking about oh, Jason man. Garrett and making my blood pressure go up and my indigestion kick in, I'll be happy. Uh, Adelando does that for me right now. Well, uh, a man who's seen good defense on the 40 acres, he's seen bad defense, he's seen it in between. He's been a part of some great defenses uh, when he was here. It's true. Covered some great defenses and covered some not-so-great defenses uh, during his time involved in this program. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the giants lions Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, under 40 acres, where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring in, he will wear it proudly, but nevertheless, he is always a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, when we – the intro, brother. Not a problem. When we look at this 42-41 loss to West Virginia on the broadcast with you on Monday, we talked about the offense, and we had to break down a couple of times where the offense faltered in the red zone. There was that weird review of Sam Ellinger getting his helmet ripped off that yep. ended up being short of the line to gain on a fourth down. You had to settle for a field goal on another. West Virginia actually is the first team all year that's really stopped that power stretch that Texas likes to run mm-hmm. in the red zone. And we left saying it's really weird talking about this, but we're talking about kind of the, the few things the offense didn't do right because for this team, for a Tom Herman Texas football team, given what we've seen in the sample size of this regime, how in the world was 41 points and 520 yards of total offense not enough? Uh, it's it's the Big 12. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that's the best way to say it. This 28 intramurals, brother. Think about the, the second half. So Texas has a one-point lead at halftime, right? Uh, I think Texas has five possessions um, in the second half. The first possession, they take up more than five minutes off the clock with that first possession. March all the way down inside the five-yard line and come away with zero points, turnover on downs. 12 right, plays, 70 yards, 507 off the uh, clock. They, then the defense for Texas, actually, Todd Orlando, I'll give him props, he adjusted. His adjustment pretty much would just bring as much pressure as I possibly can. But it did. It, it forced uh, West Virginia to you know get on their heels a little bit. They punted. Uh, they had a turnover on downs and in the, on their first two possessions, and they had four possessions in the second half. So on their first two possessions, they got a punt, turnover on downs. After Texas has the turnover on downs, they march all the way down again, I believe, inside the five. If I'm not mistaken, right? Then they go inside the five again. 
Um, and they only come away with a touchdown. That, that drive time. ends at the, yes, at the West Virginia 5-yard And this line. was the one that was disappointing because the first one, I think, was on. It was just a weird thing, man. Your helmet comes off, and they call it short. It should have been a first down, in my opinion. But, hey, man, it was the refs, and it was one of the, the worst officiated games that we've ever seen. For but both they, sides. Yeah, they go down. They, I believe the pass was a Devin DuVernay catch down to, like, the one. Devin DuVernay almost gets it in a touchdown, but he mm-hmm. runs out of space. They're down at the one. They try that stretch, that quarterback kind of sweep that they run. The power stretch, And this is – I'm being really, really nitpicky about Sam Ellinger here because I'll make a statement about him later that shows how much I I, I love his progress. But he runs out of bounds. He pulls a Dak Prescott. He runs out of bounds instead of throwing that ball away. Mm. And he loses like three and a half, almost four yards. They go from a one-yard line to like the – Four yard line, you know what I mean? And I know it sounds like I mean, really well, it's a big mental decision, but it it did it, it changed things. Everything, it changed, yeah, it changed everything. That on the one yard line, you could have ran the same damn play. If over you have again. a running play, get blown up backwards to the four. You're like, oh no, that's yeah. not good. So he ran out of bounds, took that loss, and then after that, Texas never really recovered. I think in there somewhere is that Andrew Beck play where they tried to do the late release for Andrew Beck and they missed each other once again. Mm-hmm. Could have been a touchdown. Am I right about it? I, no, I that my, was that was earlier in the game. No, they had two of those. They had two of those in the red zone. They had two of them. I think they I think they I think they ended up scoring on both those drives though. Huh? I think they ended up not scoring. touchdowns. No, you're wrong about that. Me, one of them they get a field goal. Let me let me. Yeah, let one of them is a field goal. They okay. miss them. It's one that hits them right in the helmet, and that that, that Sam puts on a line. Mm-hmm. All right, he miss each other on that one. That could have been a touchdown, and that doesn't. They end up getting a field goal. Yes, like you're right, Rod. Yes. Okay, I missed so they, it. So they, it was... they ran that play three times, and it was successful only once. <laughs> and they did it late in the game. The first two times they missed each other, but one, the, the other one didn't matter. The first, first and ten, the first and ten at the yes. West Virginia 14. That was on the drive where Ellinger was ruled short of the, the yeah, line yeah. game. So and then so that's the second drive. Right, you end up getting a field goal, and I think some of that was on Sam. You gotta you gotta throw that ball away. Man. And just real quick, Rod, for for anybody that's that wasn't following. So you go from second and goal on the one after, yeah. uh, Devin after that, after the Duvernay catch, to now third and goal at the five. Yeah. So it was a four-yard loss. Yes. Yeah. Damn, I thought it was like a three. Well, anyway, it was it a big still. loss. Changed everything, and then from then on, Texas just couldn't make it happen. They ended up getting a field goal. Uh, that was their third possession. That was, the, that was the second possession. No. Second, second, yeah, you're right, second possession. Yeah, second possession, yes, right? Yes. And then the, the, the third possession, they end up getting a field goal there out of it because – I believe there's a second and 15. Sam runs for 14. No, third and 15. Mm-hmm. Sam runs for 14, and then instead of going for the fourth and one, like I, I know Tom wanted to do, he doesn't. He, he, he plays it safe, which Tom which never does. Tom never plays it safe. He plays it safe just to get the three points. He figures, you know what, I need a seven-point lead. That's what I need. Nope, not in the Big 12. You actually needed points. You need a touchdown, not a field goal. West Virginia, they had four possessions. They get a, a punt. They get a turnover on downs. But they scored two touchdowns in their last two possessions, and they get the two-point conversion. They get 15 points in four possessions. Texas gets 13 points in five possessions. Game. Yep. That's the Big 12, baby. <laughs> no, yeah. That's the Big 12 in a it's nutshell. About, and it was it's exactly it's what about I told possessions. <laughs> That's well, it. And when we looked at the numbers. <laughs> That's that, it in a nutshell. And I was like, damn, we had five possessions. Got inside the five twice and only came away with, what, three points out of those but then had a touchdown too. Got to do better. And I know that sounds crazy. Like you said, 41 points. It sounds crazy to be critical of that. But it is. But I'll say this, and I'll be done criticizing the offense. Sam Ellinger is playing the best football of any quarterback on the 40 acres in the last 49 years, not named Cole McCoy and Vince Young. No. Yeah, that's very true. He's putting up a great season. Going back to James, the James Street era, I started post-James Street. The, tra- James the, trajectory, the trajectory just keeps going up. Like, he well, hasn't had that his game production where it just falls is, off a cliff. Agreed. It's exactly what you need in this conference because now we're seeing that even if you have something at quarterback, it may not be enough that you actually <laughs> right. need to maximize. Yeah. And like you just pointed out, just missing out on a few drives, when especially when you shorten the game, take away minutes, then get nothing. And then, you know, we heard people talking about it on Monday Night Football, just how the NFL's got to the point where it really may come down to which team was stopped. And it was like in the Rams and uh, Saints. Saints game when there was finally a stop. You're like, oh, that could be the difference there. And it was exactly yeah, how right. we used to talk about the Bill Young principle where yeah. Oklahoma State started to contend in with Whedon because, well, who cares that we're giving up yards? We know we're going to score. So if we start off with that template that we're going to score, that means we just need to stop you from scoring once. Now, if we can get one of those super special ones where our 
score defense or special teams turns into the score, then we're going to be almost two scores ahead. And in theory, that's what happened when you have that happen coming out of the gate because you were sort of gifted that free score or that free drive at the front where you can have that numbers advantage and then you flip it back. And that's also why you'll see the trend in people taking the ball more in college football than instead kicking off at the beginning of it because it only makes sense. And when Jeff talked about the Oklahoma game before the show and sort of where you started to see some flaws in the defense. And I was looking at some percentile performances from the defense. And you look at Texas just been consistently over 66% in the top third of college football on a week-by-week basis up to 90. But when you hit these same Big 12 spread offenses, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State, the West Virginia, one we have coming up next week or this week with Kingsbury in Texas Tech, percentile performances from the defense 6%, 18%, 10%. All the others are above 66. So you're talking Texas has performed in the top 30 college football in all games defensively except for the common thread which unfortunately is the culture we live in which is the Big 12 which you can never get away from that you're going to have at least four prolific offenses that will end up being able to take you over if you don't stop them or if you can't go out and score every single time. That's why it's all about turnovers. Texas hasn't created a turnover in the last two weeks to shift to the defense. That's why turnovers are so big. They just add an extra possession to you and take away one from the other team. Because that's how Texas a, got the lead has against the ball OU. last in the Big Twelve. It's probably going to win yeah. the game a lot of the time. Look at Oklahoma. Look at the Oklahoma State game. Look at the. Uh, that's kind of what I was feeling as the game was unfolding. <laughs> I'm like this is going to be a game where whoever's got the ball last is going to win. Um, a couple points I want to make about the offense, Rod, before we move on, because everybody wants to break down the defense and look at that, and, and we have to do that justice. But uh, a couple things. One, with the running game, you realize we were one carry away from the first 40-carry game of the Tom Herman era being lost. They had 39 carries for 166 uh, and two rushing touchdowns. Well, it does show you a lot, though, and people say, I don't like that stat. Well, whatever. But Keontae Ingram only had, what, 13 rushes in that game? He never really got going. and that's I like that stat. That's that's a very telling stat. But think about that. That that stat also keeps West Virginia off the field. Right. And And that's what they did at the beginning of the half, uh, and that's what worked really well for them, except they didn't come away with points. That stat dictates just game theory and game script and control of the game that it's your choice to run it that many times. And it also shows that if you almost get there, you can almost win a game. Like, you're really close to winning that game. I like the fact that Texas, in the Texas offensive line, I don't think had a great game. Again, it was a a performance kind of in line with where they've been, especially in the run game where they've been all year, where they're getting hats on people. There's just not a lot of movement, and it's up to really the ball carrier. Go be an athlete. Go find the crease. Go maximize this run. If it's blocked for three, we need you to get five or six. And I thought Sam Ellinger did that the times he He pulled the ball down a run. There were a few design runs in there. Uh, But I Trey Watson, not numbers aside, played yeah. the best game he's played uh, as a Longhorn. 14 for 80 on the ground. Uh, also had two catches for 35 yards, one of those being a 32-yard touchdown. But I thought Trey Watson did a great job okay. of, of maximizing runs. And even mm-hmm. Keontae Ingram, you look at the numbers, they're not great 13 for 30, but there were a lot of runs in there where it was probably Rod blocked for no gain or maybe a loss, and he's squeezing out two or three. I agree with that. Yeah, I saw a lot of runs where he just ran hard, ran smart. You could see his vision. Uh, he can get you that extra yard, get skinny at the right time. Uh, Devin Duvernay is another guy that I, I knew he was going to get a lot of single coverage because you got Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey to worry about and stopping the Texas running game, Bam Bam, Sam, McKenna Ingram. So I figured he's going to get a lot of man-to-man coverage. I predicted it to be his breakout game, no question. He had a hell of a game. And, and to the Duvernay point, that's I'm glad you took me there, Rod. Teams, again, West Virginia did kind of what Oklahoma State did. They said, you know what, if someone's going to beat us on this offense, it's not going to be Colin Johnson. Ain't gonna be Colin and Johnson. Colin Johnson finishes four catches, 47 yards, did have the big 26 yarder on a fourth down. But this is where I think the evolution of Sam Ellinger is, is evident. He's not relying on just one guy to throw the football Mm-mm. to. And I think you see his confidence when he's dealing to a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey because there were two throws kind of off his back foot where he's evading the rush. And that's confidence in a quarterback, and it's I think it's an underrated part of quarterback confidence when the quarterback can say, you know what, I don't have to make the perfect throw. With this guy, if I just get it in his catch radius, I trust him that he's going to go make a play. And Sam is doing that, and then we talk about the other part. If teams are going to continue to play Texas, and somebody's going to adjust at some point, and it might be Texas Tech this weekend, West Virginia, they brought pressure at times, but they played kind of what Texas did to West Virginia. We're going to play three down, we're going to drop eight, and we're going to play coverage. And, you know, if your quarterback – 
if Sam Ellinger can find those tight windows and those low percentage throws over the middle of the field, and so yeah. be it. He hit one on a on a deep end to Duvernay. Uh, Andrew Beck, Rod, you, you talked about, was, again, yeah. three catches for 28 yards, which for Texas tight end production, that's what, yeah. from what we've seen yeah. around here, that's pretty good. And then you get Trey Watson involved. You Trey get the Watson. backs involved in the past game. Something I talked about going back to the preseason that I, I heard the staff wanted to do, now we're starting to see it. So mm-hmm. it's – it's a good job. It shows Sam Ellinger's evolution, but it also shows the evolution of Tom Herman and Tim Beck with this offense to say, okay, they're taking away Colin Johnson. What else do we have? What's the counterpunch? And now we're seeing the counterpunch from this offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just didn't think we'd be at this point in the season. It's a good thing uh, that Texas offense is not the problem. I mean, and like I said, we're being nitpicky here talking about the offense. Right. Uh, they, they, the offense did, it, it, they did enough to win. They did enough to win a Big 12 game, especially for Texas. Um, and so I agree with you. I think the fact that Devin Duvernay is now starting to take, you know, uh, take ownership of his role in the offense. Love that Trey Watson now is start, starting to become that guy that can also be a, a, a threat as a receiver out of the backfield. But you can see that, you know, they don't need a Keontae Ingram to take the running game on his shoulders to still have a competent running game. That's a that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's I think Texas. Right, the Dolphins. I think Texas had allowed one sack, I believe, this game. And, and West Virginia, line. West Virginia came in with the number two run defense in the league. Yeah, so, so it's not like they're yeah. running against little sisters of the poor, you know. Well, and 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 last week, uh, we or last week uh, against Oklahoma State, we talked about how uh, Oklahoma State had the best in terms of sacks per game, the best pass rush in the Big Twelve and in the country actually at the time. Texas only gave up one sack in that game. There, there are so many different things you can point to almost game to game mm-hmm. that the offense is improving on. Right. Um, I mean, I, it's so like Tom a bizarro Harmon, world. Yeah. So like, like Texas. About, that's what they brought Tom Harmon in for. No, 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 think about that. Remember, we always thought the defense would be on cruise control. Todd Orlando's got this why he got the big raise. We'll get to that. But Tom Harmon had the task of reinventing the Texas offense, figuring out a way to get them out of quarterback hell, bring back uh, an endangered species, a tight end position here at Texas, revamp that offensive line, get the wide receivers to the point where they can perform at at expectation levels. And honestly, all those things are happening. Yeah, Uh, No, it's it's crazy crazy that the the offensive line is much better. The wide receivers now are two of the best combo wide receivers in the country. Mm -hmm. Now David Duvernay is performing admirably. Keontae Ingram is the best running back they got, but they're starting to now uh, revamp the running game, whether it be Bam Bam Salmon, Trey Watson, tight end position. Uh, I'd like to see more from Kate Brewer if you're throwing it in for me, nitpicky. Can I throw out a number about the tight end position real quick? Go ahead. I didn't realize until I was looking at it just now. Andrew Beck's now over 20 catches for the year. He's at 21. It's the it's the best catch season by Texas tight end since Jermichael Finley, Finley had that season in two thousand seven mm-hmm. where he yeah. thought it was a forty five. And we didn't realize calls. it. They got two they had two hundred yard receivers for the first time since twenty thirteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're, they're the offense, there there's so many things you want to man. This offense is it, it's 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 looking way better than anybody expected to look. It looks like it a good Big Twelve offense. Tom Harmon, job well done, sir. That was your job initially to come in was to fix the damn offense. Not saying it's fixed. I know there are a lot of things that gets got to improve on, but it is it is on its way. Yeah, and have you, noticed, have you noticed way, now when, have you noticed that when players when players are talking about the offense, they're talking about like Tom Herman, Colin plays like we're not talking about that anymore. Like Tom, cares. like Tom Herman, Tom as you said, Rod took ownership of the offense and said, you know what, for better for worse, this is ultimately on me. So it, let's it, do it. I'm I'm going to take control. And of it's it. an yeah. offensive conference, and ba- basically right now we're learning more and more and more that you have to have the offense, which is so good. It means you're trending in the right direction, especially yeah. seeing the numbers where not only is your sack rate say 12th in the nation, but then your standard Line yards per carry is 36. You're up at the top in running and passing categories. You seem to be balanced. Yeah. You have a two-headed or exactly. dual-threat quarterback, and then you have He's playing at an extremely high level. Great, great receivers. So that's the biggest part about this is the issue inside this offensive conference is your defense just needs to continue to develop and not have glaring holes. And we've seen a yeah. few glaring deficiencies. No, not just that. The defense. But what pisses me off is just do something well. Yeah, just do, just start doing one thing really good. Like Texas Tech is really good at third down defense. Only thing they do really well, and they force turnovers. They're those two things, they they really are a pretty much a really bad defense. They just found two things: third down defense and forcing turnovers. And Texas is like, you know what? We'll live on that. We'll live on it. We'll figure out a way to get it done with that. And I think every and the thing about Todd Orlando's defense, it was really good situation last year. Third downs, it was really good last year. Fourth downs, really good last year. Red zone, really good last year. Situationally, forcing turnovers, it was really good. Scoring defensive touchdowns, what are they really good at this year? Not much. <laughs> there isn't like, any. What are, there you go. They're you bad got, at the third down success rate. Definition 118. of defense in the Big Twelve is be good at something. Be good at something. 
They used to be good at stopping the run consistently. We stopped the run. That's what tall under defense will do. It will stop the run and make you one-dimensional. Everything else built on that. Well, now, that ain't the case. You got to do one thing. I always tell kids when I go talk to them at schools, what do you do well? God blessed you with something. It may not even be something spectacular, but God blessed you with one skill that you do better than most people. Figure out what the hell that is and then build around it. Mm-hmm. All right? Work really hard at it and build around it. What does Todd Orlando defense do right now really well, better than everybody else? Not much. You're about 34th in pass defense. That's your you job, that. Todd Orlando, for the next week. You got to figure that out, brother, and you better build around that. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? Agree fully, and that's the thing in the Big 12 is if you get to the point to where you have to just score what and outscore Oklahoma the State opponent. State do really well. That's the passer. They were first in the country in sacks per game. You got to do one thing, get one thing, and then you can build around that. You ain't doing nothing. Do Kansas is pretty good at forcing turnovers and leading the, uh, the Big 12 in it. You got to figure out something, Thailand, that you do and really well. The main thing, though, is getting back to what I was saying about the explosives. Red zone, you know, the something. big. Well, and you look at the big plays, though, every single week that you see a communication issue on the back end against these top-end uh, top offenses, it basically has came down to our DBs getting confused and it's it being offensive schemes that you are, understand what you're seeing, that they're having communication issues. So we're going to run a lot of rub routes and pick routes and try to do whatever we can with these combined routes yeah. to be able to get them confused, get them into this. And now once you put that on tape, other teams are just going to do that more. We saw it against Oklahoma. We saw it this past week. We'll probably see it again against Texas Tech. And the big thing is, is if you look around at some of the things that they do do well, marginal efficiencies on uh, against the run and pass, top 27, top 34. But what do you do horribly? Explosivity, 114th yeah. in the passing. Explosivity, 117th on standard down. Yeah. So when you look at that, it's the big place, and those are the glaring holes, and that's where if you can just cover up those few communication issues that you have oh, you these mean like gaps. Give, giving up, uh, giving up a 33-yard touchdown, let the guy get behind you with 16 seconds left. You know what I mean? Like that's one. Mean, the stats you can get into that and, and what they do well, but when you are letting the guy get deeper than the deepest, when there's 16 that's what seconds they don't left. Do well. I got to tell you, bro, y'all got to get back to the base. Y'all don't even do the basics well anymore. Mm. You've missed 40 tackles at least because people stop counting. you missed at least 40 tackles the last two weeks. You got to get back to the basics, bro. You've allowed 23 passes of 25 yards or more so far this year. That is, uh, I believe, eighth, eighth worst in the Big 12. Only those two, are, two that's 12 the explosivity I'm talking about. Teams have allowed more. You got to get back to the basics. Now your guys just can't even – you can't even def- you can't even defend a hail mary ball essentially. I mean that's all it was. They so it. it was precision. I want to take a look specifically at the yard. It was. I want to take a look specifically a at the. You ran a cornerback blitz. <laughs> Come on, dude. Oh no, I'm not disagreeing with that either. Precision. I want to take a look specifically at the West Virginia game, and then we'll go to big picture. Rod, when I and I'm not even through the rewatch, and I'm not even sure I've got to rewatch the I whole game. I watched it like three times. Um, Basically, my opinion of this game is I think they way overthought their game plan on defense. I think they looked at what Iowa State did against West Virginia, which is kind of what the plan Texas had. They're going to play three down and drop eight in the coverage and just try to play coverage. Uh, Iowa State did that really well. Texas did not. And this Todd Orlando defense, Rod, you talked about the adjustment in the second half. They're much better. They're kind of in their element when Todd Orlando's bringing pressure, when they're attacking the line of scrimmage, when the defensive line's slanting and you're getting movement. And it became a game, especially early on, where your linebackers and your nickels and your jokers are just catching blocks at the second level. And for for as good as I think B.J. Foster is going to be, and I think we're all in agreement, B.J. Foster, by the time he's done at Texas, is going to be a hell of a player. But, man, if that's your plan for B.J. Foster at 205 pounds to be taking on offensive tackles and H-backs in the run game and to defend the outside zone, then – you kind of get what you deserve at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that he's gotten complacent. I, I said this earlier to you guys. I, I think Tarlando, and nothing against me, he's great. He's a great D.C. And I, I, I do have confidence that he'll adjust because I, I think the best D.C.s adjust. And I think even when Manny Diaz left Texas, it just took him a while. He adjusted. Now he's one of the best D.C.s in the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I do think he'll adjust. How long does it take is the question. Well, and, and I, mean? I think to that point, Rod, not to cut you off, but I think that's the frustrating thing watching Todd Orlando is last year we saw him adjust yeah, but it could have been throughout the, per- the year. It could have been a perfect storm, though, which you're not realizing. Perfect storm, right? Think about everything no, that happened I, in his favor. He I had agree. Malik Jefferson there, and then he had the Gary Johnson. So it was easy to put the pieces because the scheme that, uh, by the way, that fell in his lap, by the way. All right? Remember, that wasn't he, he didn't come up with that. 
they stole it from John Heacock. Oh, you're talking about like, the, light, the, the lightning package. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, you know what? I think we got the personnel to run that. And he did. But yeah. do you have the personnel to run it now? That was just you being creative and saying, oh, we got, we got the personnel to run that. Man, we should run that because they've been really successful with it. And that worked. But do you have the personnel to run it now? The question, honestly, the answer seems to be no. no. And, and, and I brought the, I brought this up when I was with you on on your show on the broadcast on Monday, which by the way, uh, weekdays, uh, um, weekday afternoons, one to three on one hundred four nine Horn. You can catch Rod B. Um, I brought this up on your show, Rod. You know, unless you're Alabama or Clemson, every defense in the country is personnel deficient somewhere. Yeah. You know, very there are very few, and you can maybe throw LSU or Michigan in there, but basically, there's except for a, a very few select few defenses, everybody's personnel deficient. As a coordinator, it's up to your job to either make up for those deficiencies through scheme and through alignment and through different things, how you can highlight the strengths of players yeah. and hide, kind of hide the weaknesses, or you're almost exacerbating the problem by neglecting to do that. And I think right now Todd Orlando has just taken some problems from a personnel standpoint and made them worse by continuing to you know, play your ends inside. We talked about it during the break. Like, why are you – why on third downs are we seeing Charles Amenahu and Brecken Hager dropping 10 yards off the ball? Dropping Charles Amenahu. And I'm talking about crucial passing situations. That David Seals touchdown, um, the uh, the one he runs, I don't know, 60 yard or whatever it is. He Charles Amenahu is dropping back in coverage. Go watch it. I don't know if it's a – you can't tell whether it's a zone blitz or whether it's a man blitz because it's so badly executed. I would I, – I, unless you know you have inside information, you're talking to Charles Amenahu, you have no idea what it is. Right. P.J. Locke is playing the center field. Uh, up top, they are basically. It looks like it's manned up because they are there are twins up there, but it's not tight. That's the H back. They're kind of splitting, flexing out there. It's weird. I don't know. It's so the coverage is so badly executed, you can't even tell what the hell it is, man or a zone blitz. And in the on the last play of the game, when Gary Jennings catches a thirty-three yard touchdown, oh my god, I can't believe this. I I, I still can't believe it. He blitzes the cornerback. He blitzed Anthony Cook. Most people don't even recognize it because you were so preamber. You, I mean, you you were so preoccupied with watching the, the 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 safeties allow somebody to get behind them, all right, and not be deeper than the deepest. But Tarlando was so desperate to get pressure that he blitzed his cornerback with twenty something seconds left in the game against Will Greer hmm. and one of the best wide receiver groups in the country, like. So that, and you know what? You it wasn't even. And it wasn't. Hey, you know what, Jeff? It wasn't even close, guys. He, you basically wasted a defender. Anthony Cook's in no man's land at that point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, didn't we all realize that Will Greer? Maybe I was the only one. That he was getting the ball out of his hands extremely quick. That was part of the reason Texas couldn't get to him. He never held the ball that long. He got the ball. That's why forty percent of his his uh, passing yards were to running backs and tight ends. That's why forty three percent of his completions were to running backs and tight ends. If it wasn't open deep. He just chunked it down, or he got rid of the ball. So to bring a cornerback blitz at that time, you have to know you're not getting home. Then why the hell, why didn't you just rush Charles Amenahu from a wider angle? But no, you got Charles Amenahu now shifting from side to side. He was also a wasted defender. So essentially, Texas had nine defenders on that play because Anthony Cook and Charles Amenahu, two of your best defenders, were wasted. Charles Amenahu no two yards off the line of scrimmage, like he came up on the play. Well, he wasn't even he couldn't he get lined up. He couldn't. He wasn't even lined up. Like he was just he was going to the other side of the formation when the ball got snapped, ball snapped. and he was it's, it's over. You play with nine defenders on that play. Yeah. Because Anthony Cook, watch him. He's in no man's land. He's blitzing, but he ain't, he ain't close. Yeah. He, it's, it's and you can play with nine with all your DBs, but yeah. you even took a DB play, Exactly. Out. Play with nine, but back your – and all, why the hell are your DBs – why don't you have one guy way back there anyway? If you don't blitz Anthony Cook and, and you allow Char- – I know, now you got to look at it, Jeff. I'm with you. Now, if you allow Charles Amenahu just to rush from a wider angle, you can out put, put P.J. Locker, one of those safeties, back, back 25 yards to say, you know what, we're going to make sure we're not giving up a touchdown. It's going to mm-hmm. be a Hail Mary. I'm going to have one guy tracking the ball yep. like a punt returner. Mm-hmm. On, you know on the mean? snap. It's, it's, I'm telling you, I was oh so frustrated, gosh. I almost broke my TV. I'm not, I, had to go <laughs> I haven't watched this till no, just no, now. I, I had to, I'm like, telling you, at the, I didn't see it at the stadium. I, I almost broke my TV last night. My girlfriend had to, she had to t- go, can I, go can outside. I, can, I break, can I break this down? Because this is it's, like it's one, of those, this is one of those third downs from the Maryland game last horrible, year where man. we're like, what? So at the, at the snap, Anthony Cook is coming on a corner blitz, but he's a good six <laughs> yards <laughs> off the line of scrimmage. Like he, you said, he's in no man's land. No man's land. Jamari Chisholm is like halfway in a three point stance, and at the step, he just kind of stands up. And he and Chris Nelson, he and Chris Nelson are almost shaded to both sides of the center. Yes. So really, you have like 
a one and a half man rush at Aminahu is Aminahu's yeah. two yards off the ball trying to get to the other side. And by the time the, the by the time the ball snapped, he he's by the time the ball snapped, he's three yards off the line of he's scrimmage. There's nothing he's gonna do. Then he just kind of sits there in no man's land and just waits and like it's a screen coming or something. So he's out. Like yeah. he's just now he's like, well, I mean, I guess I'll just hit sit here and, t- and let, if he takes off or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess I got him. <laughs> like there's no there's nothing else nothing. he can do. And I don't I can't tell you for the life of me what Caden Stearns is looking at because. It's a straight vertical on that side of the field. Do they make a play action fake? I think there's a like a weird. There, it's a it's a half ass fake. A ha- it is. It's a half. It, the really, I don't think real great even fakes it. The running back kind of does the fake, right? Petaway sells it a little, a little bit. bit. Yes. No. 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 I know. And I'm like, but it's who cares about a running? Who gives a damn? Who cares? If they run, run it. God, God, God. You know, go with God if you want to run it at that point with 20 seconds left. Down distance and situation. They none of them know it. Nobody there knows it, including Todd Orlando. It almost looked like they're. Waiting for a call, and you're on your feet, you're on your heels, and that Dude, split second is how. And then here's you. something else I didn't realize until just now. I'm watching this play unfold. Gary Johnson comes on a delayed blitz, and yeah. him and Jamari Chisholm run into each other. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're down to seven. Because like Jamari Chisholm gets blocked from like the yeah. from like the middle of the line to like yeah. the opposite C gap, and he gets blocked into Gary because Johnson. West Virginia has match protection. Yeah. They keep they only put out they only send out three guys. Yes, because they right? left the H back in. Yeah, yes, so they got, it's they, match they, protection. They're ready for so they only send out three guys. So if, my thing is, Tyler, if he doesn't blitz the cornerback, at least PJ Lock because PJ Lock look watch him. PJ Lock is is shifting over to the to the to the nickelback over there because the nickelback's gonna take the cornerback's man who blitz and he's shading over there to help him out. So essentially they're doubling that guy over there. And I think they leave Chris Boyd basically man to man. It was B.J. Foster on the other side. B.J. Foster on the side, and then Josh Thompson and Caden Stearns are doubling that slot guy, which actually, I mean, it's almost like the must champ thing. It's like, I'm doubling him. What else do y'all want me to do? You're talking, you did double the guy who got the ball. I mean, you did double him. But, Rod, Caden Stearns is seven yards off the ball, and it's like he's just kind of in his backpedal. It's terrible. And it's like, son, you need to turn and run. Why are you so shallow, man? Why are you so shallow? You got an underneath defender. You got a guy it's almost, playing under, underneath the route. You should be waiting for the post route, the nine, the seam. It's the almost like it's, it's almost there. like Gary Jennings sees Caden Stearns in his back pedal, and, and he's like, I'm, he I'm footing uh-huh. it. He does. You can see him take the stem, and then he sees yeah. like, holy hell, this safety's right. Basically what Justin is now, he's like, oh, I'm, oh I got this. I got yes. this. Well, and that's where, I mean, we've talked about Stearns being a guy that we've seen mm-hmm. basically had the range and uh, no, understand where he's at on the field. They should have called that, that IQ, out, But in that situation, wow. if – that may be See? the worst learning moment you can have, but you feel as if you have it covered, and they show that, Oof. no, there's about an inch behind you that, that you let them yeah. get, and that's all they needed. They were, they were he put the in. ball exactly that's, where it needed he to did. be. Now, it was a perfect well, that's why I said precision. Like, perfect that was precision. That's your defensive but performance in a nutshell. Did you have precision, really, when the defense was that bad? <laughs> no, no, no. Really precision, or is that just no, you would it, practice and have chemistry with that guy? You can have precision there, right. and then the defense that, be screwed it up, that, and it's a that, touchdown that now. Defense, that was, come on, man. That's your defensive performance in a nutshell, right? That was like it's just yeah that was terrible I, I can't tell you what they're trying to do like there's no rhyme or reason and i mean i'm not knocking players but no, it's it looks terrible. like it's no, so not their fault. they're that's trying not their to fault. get yeah. aligned but if you you called a cornerback blitz with 20 seconds left bro in a game against Will Greer and one of the best wide receiving cores in the country I that that was that was the perfect time to play three deep and play exactly. coverage. It's like, why would you play three deep then? Why are you blitzing your quarterback? What the heck are you blitz? What? Dude, I gotta tell you, that's a that's a bad. You you don't call that play in that situation. College football, NFL, you don't call that play, bro. I'm sorry. You're, You're right. Todd Orlando should Todd Orlando should have seen Charles Amendola who running aimlessly. They should have they should have tried to get a should have got a timeout. You should have noticed and be like, dude, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're timing out because this guy is an NFL first-round pick. We got timeout. Nope. That was, I'm I, telling you. Oh, you know, most people have not watched that play because they're still absorbing how bad. Dude, that play. That. Oh, it's bad. That's as bad as I've seen a Texas defense. And I, I watched I watched every game in the Manny Diaz era and, and the Charlie Strong yeah. era. That's as bad as I've seen it's a Texas bad, defense look on the one The call play. was bad. The effort was bad. The execution, the execution was, was bad. bad. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't one good There's thing nothing good. Play. Uh, let me try to see if I can find Hold on. No, Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd's balling on that play. Let me see. Yes, Chris Boyd Chris tur- Boyd's does what he's man-to-man. Unlike Kevin Stearns in his backpedal, Chris Boyd sees the vertical. He turns and runs with his guy. And he and he made the most money in that game. He probably played better yep. than anybody else in that game other than Sam Ellinger. He made some good plays. He was a hell. He played a hell of a game. And here's the other thing about the, you, Chris Boyd. Here's the money. other thing about the corner blitz, Rod, that I don't get. Oh, my God. 
David Sills is the wide receiver on that side of the field. Why are you going to leave B.J. Foster in no man's land with David Sills? Come on, man. I'm t- the more you examine it, the more ridiculous it is. It's like, I'm just going to close this because I'm just getting mad the more I'm, I watch Dude, I, I almost threw something last night at it. I kept going. My girlfriend was like, what is wrong with you? And I was, it was, Angry. I, I was losing it. Yeah, I was losing it, man. Ooh. I was losing it. I had to go calm myself. Yeah, Ooh. it's that bad. So just so you know, you should do a breakdown of that for Horns 247. It, it is the most ridiculous thing. Because <laughs> there, there was, I did this last year with a third down in the Maryland game because I sat here on a so podcast. Because like Jeffrey McCulloch is just like 10 yards off the ball just standing there on like a third name. Like what? Like what it, a, What scheme on this earth allows you to do that? What Says that's what you do on this play. You're a linebacker. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I'm not picking on Jeffrey McCulloch, but like you said, Rod, it's just it's either a bad call or bad communication. Like yeah. something, something got lost in translation yeah. somewhere. I need Tom Herman to go watch that play, man, with Tyler Orlando and be like, all right, bro, break this down for me. What's going on? Because that, that play is terrible. It's kind of like when, you know, when you're around a group of people and you put your foot in your mouth and it's the type of group that's a group of people where you shouldn't be putting your foot in your mouth. I do it all the time. And then you got to just think on that and you're like, man, I wish I had that back. That's Todd Orlando in the film room right now. He's had to watch that play a hundred times already. And say like, yeah, I like, shouldn't have called what that What are we play doing? How did I like? How did I let that happen? My name is on that. If I'm Todd Orlando, that's what I'm thinking. Like my name is. You wouldn't on call that play in Madden. Like you would never call that play at that project. You would that's never do that. Nobody would do that like that. You have to go out of your way to make a call that bad, Todd. You have to dig back in the playbook and go. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got. I got something. Like, my my point is, he was that desperate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he had found nothing that worked to the point where cr- most crucial situation in the game, you go with the cornerback blitz, something that ain't worked since Chris Boyd sacked the quarterback like against like Maryland or Tulsa or something. Really? <laughs> Makes you think like, did Anthony Cook just go rogue? Like, <laughs> he's one of your best cover guys. Leroy, Anthony Cook, no, he I don't one think one of your best cover guys out of coverage to blitz. Why not let B.J. Foster, who's back covering, blitz? Oh, my God. I, I got to tell you, this, I, mean, I don't know what Todd Orlando's doing. You, dude, I don't know what's going on. Because I, I tell you how, <laughs> if, Gary, if Gary Jennings doesn't see Caden Stearns in a backpedal and foots it on a vertical, I to, all Greer's got to do is look to his left because he could fit this ball in between B.J. Foster and P.J. Locke. And then we are talking, like, how the hell do you corner blitz on that play? They gave him, like, 15 yards, B.J. Foster did, after Cook comes with the blitz, yeah. To catch it. Because P.J. Locke's not if, – if Will Greer throws that vertical and fits it in between the, the joker and the safety, P.J. Locke's not in a position to stop it. No, not, not at all. He might knock David Sills out of bounds right. at the six. He's also kind of wasted because you did the cornerback blitz because he could be more center field and help out with K. And he's playing, ha- he's playing hash to the boundary. Was that the, is that the field side? Mm-hmm. I think it is. That's, right? the, that's technically the boundary that's side, the boundary but he's side playing – He's playing hash to boundary on the boundary side of the field. Don't get me started, man. I watched it for like an hour yesterday. Said, right. <laughs> there's nothing. There's do a nothing. podcast on that play alone. We, we just basically did. have. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You got to watch it alone, fans. I guess I was the only one like watched it, broke it down. It was it was sad. Oh, man. It was sad, man. All right. So we gotta, I got to go through some defensive yeah, numbers Yeah, please do. Here. Let's go through these. Um, Are they, is it sad? The number's sadder than that play? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Matt and I, Matt and I were talking, and I, you know, I'll credit, uh, I'll credit Brad Kellner and Trey Elling, who did a great job on the post game show, uh, on the Horn. I credit them with saying, you know, and, and I think BK is the one who brought it up. He's like, you know, go back and watch the fourth quarter of that Oklahoma game. Like there, something, something happened in that fourth quarter that defense hadn't been right since then. So I started looking at it, and there's, I've got you know third down yards per play, yards per carry, yards per play. Uh, a lot of different numbers, but the ones that stand out to me the most are your – there's really three things. Uh, your red zone defense – or two things, your red zone defense and your explosive plays. And I want to get to fourth down defense and third down defense here in a minute. And actually, yes, your third down defense too. So let's go explosive plays. So your first 23 quarters of the season, which cover you know those first few games and the first three quarters of the Oklahoma game, 41 explosive passing plays allowed. Now that's 15-plus on a pass play. 41 explosive plays, only four of those 41 go for touchdowns. 22 explosive runs, and your runs are 10-plus yards. 22 explosive runs, three for touchdowns. In the last 13 quarters, 23 explosive passing plays, eight have gone for touchdowns. So double the number of explosive passing touchdowns allowed. 21 explosive run plays, almost the same number of explosive run plays, four of them have gone for touchdowns. Okay. So let's go to red zone defense. 
And Matt, you talk about red zone being one of those areas where if you just look at the conversion rate, yeah. it can fool you. Because, Rod, you said what does Texas do well? If you're looking at the raw numbers, Texas is top ten in the country in red zone defense. Depends on how you view but it. But here's on, on <laughs> touchdowns. Or here's where the numbers and, get skewed. Yeah. The first 23 quarters, 15 for 20. Only eight of those 15 scores were touchdowns. So you're talking about, yeah, that's 40% are seven-point scores. The rest okay. are three. In the last 13 quarters, 13 for 18, 11 of those 13 scores have been touchdowns. So 11 of 18, you're talking 60-plus. Oh, that's the that's sorry. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, that was so awesome because Rod is so comfortable. That's that, no no no. Don't apologize. No, no, no. I, I don't even <laughs> think it was audible out. enough. Yeah. But Rod is just oh. leaning back in his chair. <laughs> like, we're just talking <laughs> like we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me and says, "Holy okay." So let's go to let's go to third down defense. The first the first twenty three quarters. Opponents were 29 of 84 on third down against Texas, 34.5% conversion rate, which is a little more than where Todd Orlando wants to be, but it's in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants right to be right around 30, but yeah. 30, under 35%, Rod, you'd say, is pretty good. In the last 13 quarters, mm-hmm. opponents are 26 for 51. <gasps> not good. That is crazy. Yeah, and you look at overall just for the season, Texas is not very good. That third down success rate, the defense is ranks 118th, giving it up 47%. Here's why, why as Matt said, that line of demarcation is important. And I'm not, I I know Todd Orlando in 2018 is a better defensive coordinator than Manny Diaz was in 2012. Maybe. But I look back at that season and I go back to the Ole Miss game Mm -hmm. in the second half, especially the fourth quarter of that Ole Miss game. Yeah. And we're talking about a great offense, and, and you know, Jordan Hicks was hurt. But, you know, yeah, I was and, there. And, and Rod, Rod was there in Oxford, and we did a podcast, and Rod came in with notes, and he said, this defense is not in a good place. Yep. Go back and watch the second half. They're not in a good place. And we said, nah, Rod, is chill. Rod's like, no, this defense has problems. And what do we see? West Virginia comes up, Oklahoma comes up, and Manny Diaz is exposed. Yeah. And I know the defense was gassed enough where they looked gassed. Yeah, but right. I think Mike Gundy. We know he watched the Maryland film. We Extra talked about days that. Days to prepare for it. Right. Homecoming. We know he talked. Yeah. To, we know he watched that Maryland film. Yeah, and they're just great offensive. Mm-hmm. But I think they watched that Oklahoma film, and he said, "You know what? We don't have the personnel Oklahoma does." But I think he watched how Oklahoma got to the perimeter and some of the things he that Oklahoma did in that fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And said. We can replicate those things well enough to where we can make yards against them. Yeah, and Holgerson then saw it and did the same thing. And Cliff Kingsbury's going to see it. Do it too. And that's the thing. If you look at like the percentile performances, I pointed out that line of demarcation is like Texas got turnovers early on against Oklahoma, gave Texas the lead, but that game was not a good overall performance. It all caught up to you in that fourth quarter because these one-game samples are tiny little cutlets, and if you get yeah. a couple possessions, it makes a big difference. But now, when you see the common theme that it's, oh, okay, Lincoln Riley, Mike Gundy, and Holgerson and Kingsbury, those guys every year are going to be able to counter. And mm-hmm. depending upon what scheme or who, what personnel you have, they're going to adjust because they've done this in this conference for a very long time. It's a thing that we've talked about with the defensive coordinators. A lot of things that worried mm-hmm. us about was this year two, Manny. We saw that. We saw year two, Vance. And that's why we said this will be a big learning time for Orlando. We'll learn a lot about Orlando. We'll see how great he is adjusting. And it's not as if there's anything that uh, horrible to say about what he has done at Texas, but the inability to adjust can make you quickly change the tide if there's one glaring hole or one issue that you can never fix. I'll say this. I think Tarlando will adjust. The question is not will adjust. I think he is a good, just like I thought Manny mm-hmm. Diaz was a good D.C., and I told you guys that too when we were yep. doing the shots. I know he's a good D.C. He's just really young. I think he's just got some growing that he has to do. So I think he's conference. got to evolve, and he has. He's evolved. How long does it take Tyler Orlando to adjust? Because no it takes central too nervous long, system right now. Yeah, if it takes too long, then, you know, Tom Herman's got to right, figure out, all right, what do I do in the meantime while it takes him time to adjust? And is he, you know, is, is, is that adjustment going to take longer than I'm willing to wait? Exactly. That's what happened to Vance Bedford. It was like, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Sorry, Vance. Can't wait. Man Diaz. Sorry. Mac was like, I can't wait, Mac. Mac was like, I can't wait. I don't have time, brother. Lucky I just right now, So I think Tom Herman's got time, but how long does that adjustment period take? I mean, Gary Patterson had to adjust. Every great D.C. in the Big 12 has to adjust, and maybe it's just a matter of time before they get the film, before they can come up with an effective game plan to counter your group. 
And then what do you do as a defensive uh, mind, a defensive guru? How do you adjust to it? And then when your personnel changes, because we said all those teams all had their central nervous system in year two, almost coincidentally, but it also fits systemically when you look at these coaching changes and the revolving door, and we've never seen a four-year plan actually fully implemented. So it makes sense that a new coordinator gets a batch of seniors, then they're gone, and then now it's time for you to adjust. And now we're in the third time that this has happened since 2008. 12 and we'll and might be in the first situation where the dc gets to outlast it now we'll see how the production goes though Good point. The, the run defense though as we start to kind of wind down here and we'll, we'll get to texas tech here in a sec the run defense rod i think i think is the most concerning thing because west virginia came into the game ranked 89th in the country running the football and we know Dana Holgerson. Four yards a carry Dana Holgerson doesn't want to they don't want to run the football they want to air it out Dana Holgerson doesn't like throwing it they had been averaging 33 rushing attempts per game coming into the game. They ran it 33 times against Texas. Mm-hmm. But whereas they were averaging right at 148 yards a game, they ran for 232 against Texas. Yeah. More of an emphasis on I, – I don't know. For some reason, I did watch a lot of film in West Virginia. It struck me as, like I said, the, the running game for them usually was a side dish. Uh, you know, their passing game, their deep vertical passing game, that was their main course. That was the chicken fried steak or the fried chicken you know, the running game for them is the mashed potatoes and the cream corn. But in that game versus Texas, they made the running game the main course. And the, the vertical passing game was kind of built off of that running game. I think, like you said, they watched the film and went, well, the vertical passing game, yeah, we got, we got, a, we got a percentage. That's a 50-50 shot. We complete some of those. The running game, we have a higher chance for success in the running game, getting chunky yardage plays than even in the passing game. And that's exactly what they did, man. That was the best. Listen, that's the best – rushing game for West Virginia they've had all year long. You probably got to go look back the last two years. It may be the best rushing performance they've had the last two years against a Power 5 opponent, I'll say that too, conference opponent. They're not good at running the ball. Just like uh, Taylor Cornelius wasn't a good quarterback, but against Texas, he was awesome. So we got to start figuring there's a trend now where teams are having their best offensive efforts in certain aspects of the game against Texas. That's strategic. They are pinpointing with accuracy what to what the vulnerability is and the matchup that is advantageous to them. Texas last year only gave up over 180 yards rushing in a game once. That was, uh, against, that was against Maryland. Yeah, that's right. Makes sense. Uh, and Maryland was the only opponent to really go over 200 yards. And now they've done it what? This year? Three times? I just want to run some of these numbers down. Three times? Tulsa, 189. Oh, Oklahoma, 222. Oklahoma State, 181. West Virginia, 232. Oh, so West Virginia's the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> They figured something out. I mean, they they obviously figured something out. Uh, Tulsa had because they had the they had Luke Skipper, the dual threat quarterback, mm-hmm. who could run a little bit, and that was also a disastrous fourth quarter. There are basically these stretches where Tarlando defense just would have horrible stretches, like against Oklahoma. But they had three quarters of really good football, bad fourth quarter. Now it's starting to get to the point where they only got a stretch of good football, and the rest of it is bad. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? They had that good stretch at the beginning of the, the the third quarter, and that was about it. Everything else was bad football. Well, as we look ahead to Texas Tech in a night game in Lubbock, anybody feel good about night games in Lubbock? <laughs> I, I, no. I don't. I've had bad experiences. Just personally. watching last weekend's game, yeah. I mean, they just fire out in front of Oklahoma, and then it's a shootout till the end. Like We don't know. Best who, case scenario, that's what I'm hoping for. We don't mm-hmm. know who's going to be playing quarterback for Texas Tech in this one. Um, I have to doubt that it's going to be Alan Bowman. No way. I don't know that you recollapse a lung in, in, in yeah, a yeah, week. And I don't, I don't mean to, to make light no, of the injury, not. but, but I don't, had it twice now. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's something one. you just come back from. Well, it's not like a – You don't make light of it, so, yeah. It's not, like, it's not like a sprained ankle. Like, yeah, yeah you're done, son. You probably need to sit out for a little bit. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's going to be Jet Duffy, which – He's basically Alex Delton. Think of Alex Delton from mm-hmm. K State. I mean, he's, he's I think he's a more athletic version of Alex Delton. He's a more athletic. I don't know certainly. I think he's a better passer actually now. So I don't know if he's more athletic. Alex Delton's pretty freaking athletic. I, I think. I think. <laughs> well, I think Jed Duffy probably remember more in the lateral quickness area. Um, could be than Alex Delton. We're, we're being nitpicky. Could be. But he's basically that kind of quarterback. Yeah, he's I, second on the team in rushing, which brings up the dual threat quarterback situation, which also has been a vulnerability for a Tyler Orlando defense. If you want to add a little. Extra to it. Yeah, I, I watched. I watched this defense make Taylor Cornelius look like Tim Tebow. So Jet Duffy, Jet <laughs> Duffy gives me pa- cause for concern. Yeah, Tyrell, Tyrell Pigro, man, Kasim Hill, Hill and Jesse Ertz, and <laughs> Luke Skipper. I'm in. We've been watching Taysom Hill. He's pretty fast. Well, yeah. now, now it's like okay, Kyler Murray and Will Greer both did something to this to this Texas defense. So. Yeah, 
No, Kyler Murray is one of those guys. So, yeah, I, that's that worries me. Actually, in terms of passing, he's not a really evolved passer. No. So it's really good. Texas should be able to play the sticks a lot of the times and play situational football. Um, you know, Migrant. they'll take their deep shots with play action every now and then. But I think Texas against a Jet Duffy-led Red Raiders offense, I feel good about Todd Orlando's defense redeeming itself there, to a certain extent. It seems like when Duffy's in the game, they're more their screen game really becomes, yes. becomes alive more. And yeah. it's kind of they're using – as you said, Rod, misdirection, trying to get a matchup and then make an yeah. easier throw for your quarterback. And look, it's it's Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I running offense just based on the tech idea of how much tech already throws. But like that game when he missed that game against TCU, and it was ended up it's the one that stands out. Oh, it was yeah. only seventeen that. to fourteen, yeah. a tech game <laughs> against TCU. Seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Remember they met a couple years ago, and it was like eighty to seventy something. Yeah. It was like the high, broke all the records. That just shows how different it is because Alan Bowman is going to be a but really said, good system quarterback. He is, but Schultz Tech can win an ugly game if they have yep. to in the Big 12. Very much. Because they now can play defense. Now, mm-hmm. your definition of defense is different. They play good third down defense, good situational defense, good. Uh, I think they force a lot of turnovers, but we'll see if Texas can match that. Would you like an interesting stat on Jet Duffy? Sim- very similar to Taylor Cornelius in this regard. Rod, you and I looked at it, and we figured Oklahoma State had the ability to utilize the quarterback run game because mm-hmm. Taylor Cornelius, we looked at highlight yards per opportunity. I think he was at like 7, almost mm-hmm. 6.9 or something. Yeah. Jet Duffy's highlight yards per opportunity, 8.89. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can go. Theme. He can go now. now he Matt, go. would you like to break down real quick what that means for those that are unsure of the highlight yards per opportunity? So when we talk about line yards, that's what your offensive line gets you. But then once you get past that, it's up to the player. If, once you make the first contact or miss, about normally it's about five yards down, but it changes on each play depending upon how good your offensive line performs. It's how many yards you got in that one-on-one situation with a defender on the second level and beyond. So mm. each time given that, he's making a dude miss and getting seven yards yeah. beyond what the offensive line gain for him. It's the yards that you attribute strictly to the running back. Yeah. And, and Rod, similar to West Virginia, Texas Tech's got different runners they'll throw at you. John Henry's a kid from uh, Rod Urell's time at Grand Houston Lamar. Nice. Uh, he's their leading rush right now, 85 for 346. Highlight yards per opportunity, he's about 4.1. Uh, Demarcus Felton's got 49 carries, highlight yards per opportunity. He's a hair over six. And then you've got DeLeon Ward. Uh, DeLeon Ward's got 44 carries this year. Trey King, 35 carries. Uh, Ward, highlight yards per opportunity, 4.41. King, 4.61. Yeah, yeah, West Virginia was 6.6 last week as a team. Yeah, see, they don't Yeah, they don't have a feature back. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury even wants a feature back. No. He doesn't want anybody to have that much ownership uh, of the offense. But to me, that's more of a threat to Texas. I love having a guy that can, that, that, that can single out and game plan to stop. It makes it even tougher when you have that many guys that Jet you can Duffy. throw into the game plan. Yeah, now Jet Duffy. What I'm really concerned about is their wide receivers, though, making plays down the field. They got some – some athletic. Big athletic oh, yeah, dude. Yes. They got a basher. Yeah, they He's got a so yeah, athletic who man. is actually related to Nasty Nate. He is mm-hmm. his, his like, cousin. And, and yeah. I, actually, the guy I've been more impressed with this year when I've watched Tech is Antoine Wesley. Yeah, he's a good player. And Wesley's another guy that knows yeah. how to high point the ball, knows how to use his body. Yeah. So with Jet Duffy, they'll just take shots with those guys. I yeah. mean, they're just big. They're, they're basically a little Jordan Humphreys, Colin Johnson's guy with with humongous catch radiuses. They'll just chunk it up to those guys off a of play action if they get a one-on-one they like. And if you watch— And Texas will give them a one-on-one. I mean, with Chris Boyd, of course, he'll be in one-on-one coverage And line. back in the day, it's weird how genetics work this way, but if you remember how Nate Vasher's gate was, like the way Nate ran, yeah. when you watch his cousin T.J. Vasher, like yeah. it literally—they look similar when running. Does, it's just they're skinny, weird. Yeah, they're skinny legs. They they have quick feet, yeah. they sort of hop it up. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And then when you, when you start looking at Texas Tech on defense, I mean, it's all about their linebackers and secondary. Those guys mm-hmm. are active. Uh, they tend to make a lot of plays. Dakota Allen, Jordan Brooks, obviously. I like David Gibbs, man. Yeah, Gibbs can coach defense. And, he's you know, good, when, when Cliff DC. Kingsbury hired him, when Tom Herman got the Houston yeah. job and he brought Todd Orlando with him and, you know, David Gibbs was looking for work. Uh, when Cliff Kingsbury hired him, I talked to, you know, people that I trust on college football matters and know yeah. in the coaching circles. I say, hey, they're probably not never going to be Alabama or LSU. Like, but Gibbs can coach some defense. He can coach some And team, he'll get man. them better. Well, they're better. I mean, yeah. I think and we're talking about Texas Tech defense. Right. And not scoffing or laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the real deal. But they forced to, they're opportunistic. That's what I like. They don't, their definition is not about, oh, we got to stop this team and we want to have a great suffocating defense. No, no, no. They're good on third down and they're good at forcing turnovers. And they did the same thing against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They forced turnovers against Oklahoma. They just didn't force enough. So, you guys have anything else to offer on Texas Tech before we move on um, and get to predictions? No, not really. I, I think that you'll see 
I don't know how much they'll try to use it, but I guarantee you'll see them use a ton of the the, the motion to kind of get the oh, jet they, sweep, fly sweep. I mean, they use motion quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, they use it anyway, but I think you'll see them hand it off a lot and use the play action off of it just to and, and that's, suck in that, the linebackers. That's, how, that's what teams are doing in Texas. It's not that hard to figure out. They're basically running away from Gary Johnson, keeping him in chase mode, and taking whether it's Jeffrey McCulloch or Anthony Wheeler, taking that other linebacker and saying, you know what, we'll just get him going one way, bring motion back the other way because he doesn't have the makeup speed. Yeah, and that's why they've put those two backs in the backfield. West Virginia did it with an H-back. Uh, they did like 55% of the time they had that H-back because also linebackers got to worry about that guy. And when they do the misdirection, when they do the handoffs, it's just it has the same effect. I would as expect Texas Tech sweep. to run some two, a lot of two. Yeah, it forces looks. the linebacker to freeze for a second to figure it out once he diagnoses. But by the time you figure out where the ball's going, especially if it's Duff, if it's too Duffy, late. now you've got an extra hat in the run game. And, now you got and, three three guys to worry yeah. about. Yeah, so I think you'll see randomly, and I don't know how much they've done it. A lot of two backs, H backs in there, or if they motion that wide receiver in for him to become a guy in the backfield. Same concept, same principle. And Tom Herman said Monday, if it is Duffy. They're probably going to play more nickel personnel than dime personnel. Um, well, I, I, well, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have any problem. Just with that. because he runs. Here's my question with yeah. this: Knowing Texas Texas alignment, if it is Duffy and they do more two back looks, let's assume Brandon Jones is going to play. Yeah, which as of right now we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we also don't know about Devontae Davis or Brecken Hager. Uh, Anthony Cook's their second best corner. Yes, Tom Herman. Like, I know you say starters don't lose their job to injuries. Yeah. No, Anthony, Anthony Cook needs to be playing. Um, with the nickel position in your nickel personnel. Oh man, do you roll the dice and just say, "Hey, let's just leave B.J. Foster in there and give him nickel responsibilities"? Man, you know how I feel. I, I, I like I said, I think Tom Todd Orlando's gotten really complacent. He should have been cross training Caden Stearns and both B.J. Foster at nickel and at safety and at dime. Those guys should have been playing everything in that secondary. The fact that they haven't, I think now you've seen them get exposed at those positions because coaches can go, oh, well, he's going to be at B.J. Foster at linebacker depth? Yeah, true freshman? <laughs> All right, let me get these two back formations on him, see how he reacts to it. Kane Stearns at safety, I think the same thing. I think he's done a disservice to those young men by not cross-training them. So I'm with you. I think now I'd put Kane Stearns at nickel. Going against Texas Tech, they don't get that physical. Put Kane Stearns at nickel. And then put and you can honestly I, I'd rotate those guys. I put both of them at nickel and kind of rotate them in and out at nickel. If you're going to be playing just nickel and not playing a lot of dime, can, can I can you know I, I say those guys can handle it and they're better cover guys and they have better football instincts than PJ Locke because you're going to get a lot more opportunities to 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 maximize your instincts there at nickel as opposed to safety. PJ Locke at safety, he's actually a better player at safety than he is at nickel. So why wouldn't you maximize his potential too? Like Herb Hand, put your best five out there, yep. regardless of what position they're going to end up playing. And can, can cross I, train them no matter what, exactly, just in case. For manufacturing get, depth, man, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand. John, the John Bonney's going to be a topic of conversation this week, and he already is because he's at Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah he's a starter. Yeah. Would Texas be better off with John Bonney as the nickel back in this defense instead of PJ Locke? What do we like about John Bonney? Not only he's from Houston Lamar, DB high, but that he played safety, played corner, played nickel. Play Joker. <laughs> he played anything. All six. Getting back to my point. Yes, so I agree with you because he'd have played everything. And I, depending on the situation, the matchup, oh, no, I'll move him around. But then the beauty of that is I would have had, you know, Caden Stearns already cross-trained. So I'd be, now nah, this, week, this week I'm putting Caden Stearns down at the nickel. I think he'll be a better matchup. We're going to play more man-to-man from nickel. He's going to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. I, I really don't get it. You, gotta, you got guys that with such a, uh, a diverse skill set. I think you're kind of wasted by just putting them at one position. And, I do. And I'll, I'll look, at the, look at the NFL now, dog. Look at all the highest drafted uh, DBs. They're all guys that play safety and nickel and dime and corner. <laughs> well, I think I think I think position versatility in general. Not to get us too far off on the subject, but you know the guy I think about is Cordell Patterson. Like nobody knew what to do with Cordell Patterson. Right you ever played running back before? No. Well, go back there. I'm gonna give you some handoffs. Give you hand see off. how it works out. Looks pretty damn good too, don't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he can't Dang. run routes. I don't need you to run routes and running back, son. Just take a handoff. We'll throw you a swing around every now and then. funny? The proof that nobody think it. He's not going to overthink it. The proof yeah. that nobody ever watches Raiders. Jack Del Rio did put him at running back, and nobody cares. I remember that. You're right. <laughs> this is true. No, if nobody even knows, it's good point. Yeah, Thanks good for pointing point. that out, man. Great point. No, valid point. You're right. <laughs> yes, yeah, fantasy guy would know yes, that. Fantasy yeah. guy would know. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, Matt. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, no, I. Yeah. yeah. 
That's my complaint. You know I've been saying the Caden Stearns nickel thing forever. Yeah. But my initial point was Caden Stearns cross-training, playing every position in secondary. It'll help his draft status. It'll help my defense. That That's you That's you too, Rod, coming from the Dwayne Aquina school of defensive backs exactly. where, hey, Agreed. I'm going to train you to play. Train you. You're not going to play everywhere, but you're going to know. Yeah. You're gonna know field side safety, boundary safety, even though you might be, you know, a field uh, boundary corner. I'm, you're gonna know all these other positions. You're not just a corner. You're a DB. Yeah, here, son. You're gonna play all of them. What was Coach Aquina's big thing? The biggest insult you can call a defensive back is a cover corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It means you live. You compartmentalize me. What that sound like, bro? I'm a DB. Oh man, they're insulting you by that calling you a cover corner, Davis. Tell you got all around skill set, man. I put you at safety. You freaking lock them down and you knock freaking heads, man. <laughs> you did right. Yeah, you played nickel under Bull Reese playing played Nebraska. Nick, dude, but it's Nebraska, yeah, man. I played yeah. nickel. in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Damn, <laughs> maybe I hurt my feelings. Taking on, but that tells you what type of football you were playing. Taking <laughs> on fullbacks and pulling guards with V's and W's Damn, in their names. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I know it was real. Rod be sticking his face in there with the oversized Reebok jersey and everything. Oh, man. Pre-Nike that was a bad days. look for Those you, Rod. Those Reebok were so bad, your toenails would come off. That was a bad look I'm for you, Rod. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> Players were complaining to Mac their toenails were coming off. He was like, we're going to be Nike soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Chris Sims coming. We got big class. <laughs> we got big class. Like you tried to wear the wristbands off. on your arm. Those were too big, they too. Like it was, it was all just, uh, Reebok yeah. was ugly back then. Yeah. Oh, they've done better. Now. All right. Y'all let's. Uh, really clean for the time. We got a Nike school in Texas. We're in the Stormtrooper White. Lubbock to face Texas Tech and Under Armour School. I don't know what Tech's wearing, man, but they've been going with that kind of throwback look lately. I like more it. of the block print. Yeah. I, I, not to go Craig Way on everybody with the block print lettering and all that, but that's a much better look than the the new, more kind of modern look but yeah. by Texas Tech. But I digress. Let's get to some picks. Matt, um, I know uh, you, like many Texas fans, you get indigestion at the thought of a night game in Lubbock, but what are you thinking here? Yeah, I've been worried about this game since the beginning, and then it was like if Texas had played you know, well against these offenses, then you might have a little bit more confidence, but it's already one of the environments that you're afraid you may lose a couple of these games this year, and then – all the data is trending against Texas right now when you look at just the way inability to stop that spread offense. So I, even though the line has moved, it started as Tech favored by one. It's all the way around to Texas at one and a half. It looks like that got pounded home, but I just don't have the confidence. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Texas like loses another very close game like we just saw and maybe even higher scoring, but I don't know, something like 45-44. Rod B., what say you? Um, yeah, man, I'll go with, ooh, I'll go with Texas, find a way to pull this one out and winning. I'll go Texas wins. I got Texas at 9-3 and three this season. Hell, I'm not going to have them win, losing to Tech, because that might be Iowa State if they do have another loss. Yeah, with Duffy, I, I was sort of thinking, Bowman, I almost yeah. want to pick Texas to beat them, but I just, I don't know why. Yeah, no, 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 I am scared. Trust me. Yeah, this is a pick that I don't really feel confident about, but I will take Texas to win. I think Sam Ellinger is the one that wins the game for him. He just goes out there, testicular fortitude, gets it done. I think Texas wins 30, 34 to 34 to 30 in Lubbock. Yeah, maybe it's Dick of the Kicker I'm feeling in. So 30, I'll go 34 to 30. I watched two bad defenses the last time I went to Lubbock in 2016. And even though Texas Tech had Patrick Mahomes, the difference in the game was Deontay Foreman for Texas. I think the difference, and I think the difference in the game for Texas, yes, Sam Ellinger's gonna have a great game. I think this is the game where we finally see Keontae Ingram break out. Oh, that would be great. Go for over 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, nice. I think Keontae Ingram's a difference in a Texas in a Texas win, and I'll take a close one like a 42-40 type of game. And mainly because Rod, I don't want to think about the alternative if Texas loses a high-scoring game and defense is a cause for a third week in a row. Ooh. Because the you know what the alternative is what we're talking about at that point is yeah, if you let Jed Duffy light you up, yeah, yes. you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, so you're gonna be in trouble just because I don't want to yeah. think about the alternative next week. I'm with you on that. I'm gonna go with Texas, and again, Keontae Ingram being the difference. We'll see Keontae Ingram. I know he went for over 100 against Baylor, but I think he has a really big game against Texas Tech. I think Todd after Orlando needs I, to have the biggest game. I'm just <laughs> saying. I know Oklahoma's got a better offense than Texas, but I watched Trey Sermon go through that Texas Tech defense like crap through a goose. Yeah, Texas did. should be able to run the ball. Yeah, against I Texas agree with Tech. That. Yeah, that's a good point. Do that, yeah, and they take care of the football, which is also something that negates a strength for Texas Tech is taking the like, ball away. It was almost like Trey Sermon at the end of that game was like, Man, I'd like to kill some clock and not score, but hell, nobody's standing in front of me. I might I'm as well just, just roll in. Run it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, seriously, that's a shootout, but that's the way Cliffy likes it, man. 
shootout. Count on a four-and-a-half, five-hour game. Frozen tortillas getting thrown at you and everything. It's a night game <laughs> at Jones at Stadium. tortillas at night. What? Oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe blasphemous if that correct. happened. I think it was like, yeah. We'll oh. See. I don't know. I've been buying a tortilla. Said Ricky used to eat them. Are people trying to say the tortilla is like a racist thing? No, I don't no. think that. I think they just kind of no, stop it. They don't, they don't okay. want throwing something. They don't want to promote throwing stuff at any at players. players. Yeah, like anything. Don't, don't you give drunk people like oh throwing tortillas? That's one step away from throwing. Other How stuff. would it well, be racist? If it's just like, a, that's a foreign. If it's idea. just <laughs> a, <laughs> like well, it makes no sense. in this PC world we live in, every you know, no, 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 people I know, get yeah, offended by everything. But yeah. As long as it, I mean, if the tortilla is not frozen, if it's just your regular <laughs> run of the mill, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I think like mission Rod tortilla said, or whatever you got. I mean, most sporting yeah. events, you get ejected they, when you start throw throwing stuff. stuff. Yeah. So, so they, I think they just now. They I think this is more kind of the spirit of the spirit yeah, of college getting, football. People are getting penalized for putting the horns down. Okay, so we've been living in a PC world. I've, I've heard. I've heard Ricky Bucky tell a story about Ricky walking over there picking up a tortilla and eating it when it got thrown at him. I believe Ricky does do that. Ricky. I would not advise if Texas players, if you're listening to this, if tortilla. Gets thrown at you, do not eat not it. Eat that, man. You, you don't know where that tortilla is. Guts, I guarantee you. <laughs> All right, Matt, thanks for everything. Hey, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Rod B, appreciate the time and Anytime, the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 101 on AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, your Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives. On the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.